It is Thursday, the 29th of October. It is episode number 45, the Pedro Martinez episode. I'd love to spend an entire show just talking about Pedro. How great he was, how much uh, of an event Fenway Park was when he pitched back in the day. How I had tickets to see him versus the Yankees in the monster seats, only to have him get scratched for Casey Fossum. Uh, But also to talk about how much I've enjoyed Pedro and envy retired Pedro. Dude was like 165 soaking wet when he played, and he's got to be at least two bills at this point, no? And just look at that wonderfully chubby face of his. I love him. And you should too. This is Complaints and Observations. Hit the shitty intro. The greatest podcast hosted by someone who knows so precious little about eh, almost everything. A journey into the mediocre mind of an exceptionally average person. This is Complaints and Observations with Dave LaPointe. you like to get away fat guy in a little coat stupid thing who the hell is dave lapointe the difference in sound quality between uh, my actual show and the um, the intro is astounding. It's astounding. And honestly, that used to be one of the, the hallmarks of the program was the wonderful sound quality. Well, now we've moved and I have to broadcast in a fucking wide open empty basement. Ugh. Not good. So uh, yesterday, my uh, uh, foreman for, for the uh, the project here, uh, the GC, uh, my brother Jack came by and we inspected the uh, structural integrity of the shed uh, that I'm I'm hoping to turn into a usable space, not only for the pod but just for you know uh, general gatherings that I really don't want to have and. Uh, you know, having people over, which I, I don't, I don't want people over. <laughs> it's like, you know, but uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things at play here, and it's going to be a lot of time and a lot of money. So unless I decide to scrap this whole thing, which again, uh, I, I, I have fun doing this, so I, I don't want to stop doing it. I might have to cut it back a bit. Not that you give a fuck, because nobody listens to the fucking show anyway. Thanks for coming, though. Uh, few things to talk about today as well, and uh, I do have an interview later on uh, with, with a friend of mine, Rick McNair, whom I'm happy to dub for this particular venture as a sports aficionado. Uh, he, he says in the beginning of the interview that he likes to set the bar. He's setting the bar low for future guests, and uh, he can't really set the bar any lower, I'm afraid, because this show is fucking terrible, huh? Uh, the serious-sounding basis of the conversation that I'd given it was... Uh, you know, sport and its current role in society, which sounds horrifically fucking lame. It just turns out to be a couple of old heads spit, spitballing about sports. But uh, overall, an excellent conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and I hope that it sort of is the, the impetus for, for coming on my show. Uh, I hope to have another interview next week, uh, which is great. I mean, two guests in a, in a row here. Fire. I think Thursday will be the guest day. Monday's more the... You know, Dave talks about dumb shit and then complains, uh, which is, you know, the name of the program. So, uh, but listen, before that, I wanted to get to what I'm certain is on everyone's mind right now. And that's, uh, what the fuck does Panera Bread think it's doing adding pizza to their menu? What? First of all, if you like Panera Bread, we have – there's going to be some issues between us. Panera Bread, full disclosure, when I went back uh, to get my degree uh, in my mid-30s uh, when I was living with my parents, 
Uh, I spent way too much time at Panera Bread because it was uh, the the closest thing to a uh, you know reasonably quiet study area. Not that the house was you know uh, loud. It was just it was it didn't it wasn't conducive to to you know learning if you will or doing schoolwork. So I spent a lot of time at Panera Bread. It it, it the smell uh, of Panera because every Panera smells the exact same way. It's like dirty floors and onions. Uh, they all smell the same. The food at Panera Bread is fucking disgusting. The sodium content of this pizza is probably going to be enough to kill a fucking rhinoceros, just like the rest of their shitty food. So why not? Why not add what everybody loves in the hopes of wiping out an entire fucking population? Because that really is probably the end goal for Panera. They're probably some weird, uh, you know, fucking conspiracy group keeping kids in their basement and killing people with sodium content. But anyways, that's not really what's on everyone's mind. It was just that I read that and was uh, appalled. I was appalled. This doesn't make any fucking sense. You, your name is Panera Bread. Make good bread. Your bread's terrific. Keep doing it. Just make good bread. What are you going to make fucking pizza for? Ruining everything. Like all these fast food companies that keep coming out with shit that nobody wants. Like McDonald's, for example. Uh, my wife, who, you know, her job takes her to McDonald's. She works with McDonald's uh, owners, so... She comes, she comes home yesterday, and she's going, oh, you want to try the new uh, apple fritter? Of course I want to try it. Of course. You know, of course I want to try the apple fritter. I taste it. Like, this this tastes really familiar. And she mentions Entenmann's, and boom, that's what it was. So Entenmann's is absolutely making the new, quote-unquote, new breakfast pastries, pastries for McDonald's. For the first time in a decade, like this is big fucking news. McDonald's makes burgers, fries, Shh, done. Stop fucking with everything else. Just like Dunkin', it's not Dunkin' Donuts anymore. What do they add? A fucking ghost pepper donut? Who wants that shit? It that if 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 it's more than one time purchase, which it won't be, you're not gonna buy it all the time. Don't don't add it. I don't care if it's limited time. You're gonna spend more money advertising it, making them, putting them on your fucking shelf. Like your waste is gonna be through the roof. Like after week one, what sort of return can you expect on a ghost pepper donut? Yeah, I can't imagine you you'd expect much of anything. Papa John's. Papa John's is doing their fucking damnedest to get away from Papa John. They came up with a cheeseburger pizza. Okay, big deal. Everybody's got a fucking cheeseburger pizza. Wendy's. Wendy's seems to be the only one that sort of understands that they're a shitty fast food company. Hey, we have breakfast now. Cool. They're going to put out a new chicken sandwich because everyone's fucking copying Chick-fil-A. Everyone has to have the, uh, you know... Bun, pickle, chicken sandwich. Can't come up with your own shit. God forbid. KFC has a new sauce. I don't even know what it is. I just don't care. Fucking Panera Bread. Get the fuck out of here. Pizza bullshit. Anyways, that was a that was a rant that I wasn't anticipating. I was just gonna make a make a shitty Panera joke and move on. <clears throat> Congested all of a sudden. My apologies. Um, so yeah, what most people are, are thinking about is probably uh, the World Series. So excellent. Honestly, I thought it was an excellent series. Nobody fucking watched it. Yeah, lowest ratings ever. But I watched it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, the Rays put up a fight, as they want to do, and almost pulled it off. I, I shouldn't even say that. They they came close. But the other night, a comedy of errors. 
I should just I should rename the podcast a comedy of errors because I, I find myself using that term often. It's not quite any who levels, but it's it's up there. So sixth inning rolls around and Blake Snell's dealing. Just fucking dealing. And he has uh, he's got Nine strikeouts from the 18 batters that he's faced at that particular point. And so, five and a third scoreless gives up a base hit to um, the number nine hitter, which was the second hit that he allowed with one out in the sixth. Cash comes out. And it's like, you know, they're up one nothing. It's not like they're up 4 nothing, 5 nothing. There's no cushion there. So Cash comes out and does what he's done literally all season long, which is uh, have a, a short leash for these starters. Now, Game 6 of the World Series should sort of take precedence, precedent over, you know, uh, a June Tuesday night uh, game against uh, fucking, I don't know, anybody, the Blue Jays. You need to manage different in different situations. Sure, the analytics are going to tell you, well, hey, third time through the lineup. However, the one through uh, the one, two, three hitters for the Dodgers were a collective 0 for 6 the first two times with 3Ks. It was 6Ks, I'm sorry. Uh, he was fucking dominant. Dominant. And he fucking gave him the hook. Like, how do you not? And here's the other thing, too. If you're looking at numbers, Mookie Betts has sucked against Blake Snell his entire career. Guess who's coming up next? Mookie fucking Betts. And so the guy that that Cash brings in, Nick Anderson, had been trash all fucking series. And for not most of the postseason, but hadn't been good at all. And Anderson comes in, gives up a double. Game tying wild pitch and an RBI ground out. Razor down two two to one. Just like that. Blink of an eye. And the thing that you've heard is, well, analytics this, analytics that. It's like, well, okay. Well, the Dodgers are built the same way. No, not entirely. They, they operate on a different set of analytics, and those numbers uh, all start with a dollar sign. Uh, when you have that much money to throw around, you can pretend that you give a fuck about analytics. And look, I'm sure you do to a point, but you know it ain't hard to fucking trade a, a bucket of balls for arguably the uh, best or second best player in the game right now and then give him a shit ton of money. You don't need analytics for that. Uh, you don't need analytics, uh, you know, to make trades that that cost your team money because you got a fucking ton of it to spend. But what Cash did, and you'll hear a, a little bit about it in in my my talk uh, with Rick later, is that he managed. He didn't manage. There was no managing going on at all. It was strictly. Uh, using uh, the numbers, and that's it. Speaking of which, the uh, I'm on ESPN uh, the other day, and I'm looking at uh, a stat that somebody put out about how major league starting pitchers fared uh, the third time through the order versus the first and second time. Now, there are some differences, of course, and that's so. This stat encaps- encapsulates the last five seasons, including the playoffs. Batting average the first and second time through the through the order, 252. Third time, 269. Slugging 422 the first and second time. Third time, 463. Is there a difference? Absolutely. Absolutely. However, that does not encapsulate Game 6 of the fucking World Series with your ace on the hill who is dealing absolutely dealing and it fucking screwed them 
and one of the things, like, what happens if he leaves him in, and then Betts comes up and and fucking hits him? Sure. However, uh, the numbers are in his favor that he's going to get Betts out. Corey Seager's next. He could fucking hit in that same uh, ground ball. Uh, inning over. Then Justin Turner was next. Well, Justin Turner shouldn't even have been in the fucking game. Get to that in a second. But it was just a dumb move. Like, there's no way that Kevin Cash watched what Snell did through five and a third and thought, oh, yeah, I, I really, I don't think he, I don't think he has the stuff to get through the lineup again. There, there is no fucking way. Uh, the little alarm in, in Kevin Cash's pocket probably went off from the GM who said, oh, time to take him out. There's no manager worth his fucking salt is going to go and pull that guy after what he'd been doing. No fucking way. And if that's the case, he shouldn't He shouldn't be managing. Like, Cash should not be the manager of the, of the team if he's not going to actually manage the team. Don't call him a manager. Call him a babysitter. Because that's all he is if he's just fucking listening to the GM. So Dodgers win. No fucking surprise. You could you could see that coming a mile away. The thing that uh, that people have been talking about is Justin Turner. Uh, you know, the the heartbeat of the club, as he's been described. Big dumb beard. It's not dumb. It's uh, it's very well kept. Uh, it gets yanked in the seventh inning because apparently he has tested positive. For the Rona. All right, well, this leads to a bevy of questions, which is how and and why is he playing? Now, the story goes is that around the second inning, they got an inconclusive result. They tested the sample again, came back positive. The thing that I don't get is what the fuck are these guys doing uh, waiting uh you know, to, to test these guys so that they're not done until the second inning of the game. Like, you can't have these fucking kids come in uh, 15, 20 minutes earlier, get tested, and then fire that shit up and get it moving. They've been pretty good for the last few weeks. Uh, no positive results. And now here it is, the seventh inning of the fucking deciding game of the World Series, potentially deciding game of the World Series, and this guy is, is a positive test. So I'm going to pull him out. Out he goes into isolation. Hey, that's awesome. Dodgers win. What happens next? Well, Justin Turner comes out. He has uh, disobeyed, uh, according to MLB, disobeyed uh, Major League Baseball's wishes. Out he comes, uh, celebrates with his team, with his wife, you know, sticking his tongue down his wife's throat. <laughs> Hanging out with Dave Roberts, who's, you know, a cancer survivor. No big deal. Yeah, no, you don't need the mask. Mookie Betts is like, oh, fuck that shit. We want him out here. He's a part of the team, yada, yada, yada. Now, look, there are two distinct sides to this thing. One, a uh, horrifically irresponsible move on his part. And nothing I say here is any different than what you've probably already heard. But it needs to be said. Horrifically irresponsible. Uh, and, and then also irresponsible for Major League Baseball to not enforce this a little bit more. You know, there has to be more people from MLB that are down there in, in the clubhouse or near the clubhouse or wherever the fuck he is to make sure that he doesn't come out. But apparently that was not part of the deal. So out he comes, you know, and, and the argument that I've heard is that Look, this is a big moment for him. This is a big moment for the team. They've had an exhaustively long 32-year wait. Ooh, shut the fuck up. Like, I give a shit about the Dodgers and how long they've waited to win 32 years, please. Um, but I, you can see both sides of it, can't you? You can see that he wants to come out and celebrate with his team. It's a big moment for him and his teammates. I 
get it. I get it. And that's what that's the part that sucks. But at the same time, he's being incredibly selfish. And this is why this fucking thing is never going away, folks. It's never going away. Because it's just horrifically irresponsible behavior on so many different levels. And this is just a prime example of it. Major League Baseball fucking pushed and pushed and pushed to make sure that they finished this season. Fucking pandemic be damned. We're going to get through this. We're going to show you uh, a, a mediocre World Series. Well, I, I already said it was a good series, I, you know, but I'm a baseball fan. So what can you do? But we're going to push and push and push to try to get this get this through. Uh, but, and we don't give a fuck about any of the consequences, like the PR hit. What does it matter? I mean, lucky for Kevin Cash, this happened because now nobody can say that Kevin Cash is a fucking dummy. The guy gets, let's say Tampa fires him. He has a job tomorrow. You know, do I think he's ever going to, if he has to actually manage, I mean, who the fuck knows? You don't know how he's going to be if he actually has to manage. Could be anything. He could be great, but you're not gonna know because this particular move has fucking screwed him for the rest of his career. Facts. Anywho, that's my two cents on the Dodgers. I could probably go on, but it just—it's not really worth it, is it? Um. Here is uh, a commercial, and then my interview. Uh, and then we'll be back to talk about some other nonsense that you probably don't really care about. Rick, what's happening? Hey, how we doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Sorry, I was coming back from the gym and there was some uh, traffic out there, so it took me a little longer than I thought. What is the? Is that a a Drew Lock background? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's up with that you know drew lock's like my favorite player right now ever since i saw him uh the rapid young jeezy on the sidelines <laughs> like you know i really see something in this guy <laughs> all <laughs> right kind of quarterback on one of my team there you go that works all right yeah. the pod isn't entirely sports centric it's mostly sports centric mainly because i don't know anything else and uh don't know what else to talk about so with Thanks. that said with that said, it's 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 become quite clear that as as sports evolve and as uh, you know our our tastes change, and uh, one of the things that we've talked about on the show, of course, has been gambling. So and and how it continues to grow across the country, legalized gambling, the way that we consume and follow sports uh, evolves alongside of it. So what I want to do, let's welcome in my guest, uh, Boston sports aficionado and the guy who would occasionally approve purchase orders for me, yeah. uh, Mr. Rick McNair. R Rick, welcome to the show. I appreciate you joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, I'm here to set the bar really low for future guests. Love so it. See that, can only, Rick, honestly. We can only go up from here. So. <laughs> that's, and that's, it's, we set the bar so painfully low on this show. And I keep saying we, I don't know why, but I set the bar painfully low. <laughs> so uh, thanks for coming on. And also uh, a big thank you to uh, loyal pod listener, Dave, for getting us connected. Uh, oh, yeah. I really appreciate it. So Dave loves to hear when I, when I talk about him on the show. So let's uh, talk about Dave briefly and then, con and then just end it. Uh, so, Dave, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, all right. So one of the things that I've talked about on the show a bunch of times is, is you know, sports fandom. And uh, what I'm hoping is to uh, let's let's talk about your sports fandom. All right. And what I want to know is, you know, give me a, a singular moment um, as a kid that made you start to love sports. I know that when we first started talking via text, you sent me that amazing picture of uh yourself and your dad uh <laughs> yeah. so you know and, and that was awesome so give me just like a a starting point for you um i can't necessarily remember like one particular moment yeah but when i was younger my mom worked nights and i would <clears throat> be with my dad every night and we would just watch the celtics or the red sox mostly i remember watching the celtics more because I had a little Larry Bird hoop. And as long as I, you know, didn't get in his way too much, didn't cause any trouble, yeah. I got to stay up, watch sports. So 
as a young kid, I don't remember watching a lot of cartoons. Like I would just mostly watch sports. And then when I got a little bit older, um, I would wake up like way before school would start and just watch sports center like four or five times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, as I got older too, my mom would still work nights and my dad would come home, make us dinner. And he used to kind of play a game with me where he'd have sports center on and he'd be like, all right, uh, you know, how many yards did Jerry Rice have? How, who had this? So I was like, just regurgitating all of these stats. It's like how I learned how to do math. It's, you know, how I learned how to do everything. Um, you know, I didn't watch any cartoons. It was, it was pretty much like sports right, right from the jump. Um, we were always playing catch, playing basketball. He was young, so he was he had a hoop out front, and yeah. kids from the neighborhood would come play with him. Oh, he was really? Like twenty six or twenty seven, so I would go out <laughs> and watch, yeah. and they were like, "You're too young," and it just drove me crazy. Mm. So I just wanted to play all the time, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I was just like hooked on sports from then on. That was, so, that in terms of then, so obviously the Celtics, uh, you know, one of the things that you remember was there a a particular uh, Celtics moment that you can recall that sort of um, you know, it sort of ties into what my next question would, would be your favorite overall sports moment. But I was, you know, again, the Celtics have been, they were synonymous with the 80s. So, I mean, I'm just curious right. if there was anything in particular that jumped out to you. Because I remember vividly uh, going to a, a cookout with my dad, uh, 1984. So I was, I was six years old and this guy had... Uh, All right, you're older than me. Perfect. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm 37. So uh. there you go. So this guy, <laughs> this guy had his, you know, probably I don't know, 32 inch TV, uh, you know, rolled outside, and yep. there was all kinds of people just fucking gathered around watching this, and uh, it was just it was a cool moment. So I, I didn't know if you had anything similar to that 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 you know sticks out. I mean, I do remember watching like all of my dad's friends coming over and Lakers Celtics games being on. But like, by the time I could remember what was happening, bird was pretty much like really banged up at that point. Mikhail was always hurt. So the Celtics, like they were still pretty good um, all the way up, like with Reggie Lewis, all the way up to like 92. Um, but you know, it wasn't like the same. I've watched tons and tons of games actually in quarantine. I started watching more when there was no sports on. I would YouTube and just watch all these Celtics 80s games. Um, I have the Celtics Dynasty DVD. And when I was like 22, 23 years old, I had a DVD player in my Maxima. And I would ride around. <laughs> with, with, and that would be like one of the things I would watch. Be like, yeah. you know, like, like, unbelievable, you know? Oh, that's so, awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if there was uh, – I mean, I have a – there's some uh, – so a lot of people don't believe me when I tell them this story, but I, my, we had just moved, my parents and I, like we, and my family, we just moved into a new house. I was like five years old, I think, going on six. And my dad was like painting in the kitchen and we didn't have any furniture really set up yet. The TV was set up and I was just like sitting on a box watching the Bulls Cavs game five when Jordan hit the shot yeah and um I remember like Elo hit a layup and gave them the lead and I came in and told my dad and he's like oh this game's over you know there's only like two or three seconds left and then Jordan got the ball hits that iconic shot and I came running in to tell him and he's like no way and he comes in he's like holy shit that actually <laughs> happened you know so I tell people that my dad like the other day we were playing golf I brought it up and he's like oh yeah no, I remember that you know no, so, that's awesome uh, you know, a lot of people don't, they're just like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah. You were, <laughs> you know, you were, you were five years old and you remember that. And I'm like, I, I just remember I was obsessed with Jordan. Cause I was like, Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, you, you remember when that was when all of a sudden like sneakers became popular and like, um, you know, athletes were getting marketable or being marketable. And like, mm -hmm. you know, th those were the, the people that you saw on TV all the time. That was like what was happening in the early nineties was just all these like, iconic basketball players were on, on TV, you know, along yeah. with like some of the other sports with like Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, those guys. And um, I think that's like, honestly, that Michael Jordan really, the way that people in the public looked at athletes, I think really started with him in the way that it just took off at that point. Like you said, where they became more marketable, obviously you saw, you know, Larry Bird was in commercials, but most of those were 
local. Right. Uh, one of my uh, things that I had done not too long ago, actually, was uh, spent some time on YouTube looking at really old, shitty Larry Bird uh, local <laughs> commercials where he's like, you know, pitching cars for some dumpy uh, oh, used great. car dealer in Malden or some shit. So, <laughs> but I mean, it was funny. I mean, you, and you didn't see. But when Jordan, I mean, obviously, you remember uh, like the Jordan and Bird McDonald's commercials where they yep. would, yeah, I mean, those were, those were massive. Those were crazy. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. and it sort of changed the way that that people kind of looked at sports. So another thing that I was kind of hoping to get into with you was how how you view sports now. So, I mean, obviously you could talk about when you're a kid and it's just that sort of that real attachment, again, like you'd yeah. be up at all hours watching all kinds of shit. But yeah. in terms of like things now as an adult, how do you look at sports now? What's your relationship with sports currently? Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess that's an interesting question because um it kind of depends on like what's going on that week too. Yeah. Like what, what's going on that day, what, what game I'm watching. Um, you know, sometimes I'm watching a, a game and there's, I'm, I'm not really watching it for the, uh, the, the purity of the sport or the, you know, anything like that. But uh, a lot of times, um, you know, there's financial impl- implications that you're watching it. Right. So, you know, you're watching uh, Georgia state versus Georgia Southern. You're like, Oh, kind of more interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, watching a late pack 10 over, you yeah. know, uh, pack 12 over. Um, you stayed up, watch second half Hawaii because you had such a shitty day. Right. <laughs> but uh, if you even like remove, say like removing all of that, like yeah. the gambling aspect of it, you know, the most adults kind of morph into that at some point where mm-hmm. they're, involved in some form of gambling when they're watching games and that's what makes it a lot more interesting but um before i really like got involved in that i was starting to kind of branch away from like when i was younger i I was really like diehard boston sports so like you know i remember like the 07 super bowl i just had the worst week ever after that you know it's winter time two degrees out you know the past just blew their perfect season it was brutal like life couldn't be any worse you know at that point and then as you get older and like I don't know if it's the fact that like we won more or you just thought like you're older and you I've watched so many games like that's all I watch is games so um you know you're just like somebody's got to win somebody's got to lose and like there's going to be another game tomorrow so you Mm kind of just brush it off and then you know like there's life is going on too where you got bills and responsibility and you're just like at least you know sports isn't like that that big of a deal do you and think then they it, take it away, right? Well, then oh, they yeah, it away. Exactly. <laughs> they took it away. Jeez. Absolutely. Right. Do you think it had, especially around here, and, like, you made a good point. I mean, did the fact that, that we had a, a 20-year run here where, it, you know, every team was, for the most part, uh, at, at you know, one point or another, there was one team that was the best team in the sport. Did, I mean, do you think that has something to do with any particular kind of current apathy that, that yeah. we might have around here? I mean, I know for me personally, I'm not as upset when we lose because of all that. I mean, exactly. you, you you lived the same thing that I lived where like the Celtics were good in the 80s, but that was the only team that Boston had that was any good. And all those guys were old and done by the 90s and the 90s were tough to deal with. The, the early 90s Celtics were terrible um, oh. as like, the garden was going yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about the garden too. My first experience there. That was an interesting one. Oh, there you go. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember the garden back in the eighties or nineties, but it was absolutely. Uh, not a place for uh, five, six-year-old kids. No, absolutely not. Five right. it wasn't really a place for anybody to be honest. No. Place no. was such a dump. Right. I uh, sneakily, uh, my some of my favorite sports teams ever were those early nineties, like horrifically bad Celtics teams with the <laughs> Sherman Douglas and uh and like Dino Raja is one of my oh, all-time he's yeah. one of my all-time favorite players I absolutely loved Dino Raja Hall of Famer Dino Raja mind you don't let anybody besperch that man that's name. right right yeah because well, um, he had played on the Russian team in 88 and then I think he played for I don't know if it was like Croatia yeah once, once yeah. the USSR broke up and he was a coach too coach. he was yeah. coach for a while but uh, interesting. But yeah, those teams were just ghastly. They were they were terrible. Yeah, they would 
purposely. Rick Fox was the captain. They have like yeah. Brian Shaw, D. Brown, mm-hmm. Kevin. Hey, underrated Kevin Celtic, Kevin Gamble. That's right. Absolutely. Sixty percent from the field leads the league in field goal percentage. Yeah. And he was a jump shooter. Mm-hmm. That was like one of the first like great shooters that I was like in awe of. You know, yeah. I just couldn't believe he was automatic. I mean, Reggie Lewis was like that too. Like, yeah, the I game know. was just Jeez. so much different. The way they were like so automatic from like fifteen to eighteen feet. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a different game. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was more interesting. It, you know, I and it kind of ties into. Uh, the world series from last night where it is such a analytically driven event. Every sport is like that now. Right. I mean, last Snell night, out. taking Snell out last night, it's an unforgivable sin to me because I don't care how many times he went, he had struck out, what was it? Nine. So he faced 18 batters, struck out nine of them. The next three guys in the Dodgers order were zero for six with six K's. And Cash takes him out of the game after a single. And to me, it's right. it just doesn't make any fucking sense. You can't take your ace out of the game in a must-win game in, in the sixth inning. It just didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But that's how he had been running his team the entire season. So they wouldn't have been there right. had they not. But it just sort of ties into going back to the NBA where, like you said, the 15- the to 18-foot game, gone. Right. And it's absolutely gone. But yeah. going back to Snell, when when you look at that situation, so I guess like Mookie is has been terrible against lefties all year. Mm-hmm. And he's been great against righties, especially hard throwing fastball pitching righties who yeah. aren't going to come in and throw any junk. Right. And he was 0 for 2 against Snell. And like Snell had only given up two hits, you know. Mm-hmm. What do you, was there like one guy on at that point? Yep, one and, guy. And then you have a pass ball, right? And uh, I mean, it was just a nightmare of scenario. It was the worst case scenario for Cash. I mean, I oh, felt absolutely. a felt a little bad for him, but I do think there's a like I believe in the analytics too because mm-hmm. numbers don't lie and math is a fact. It's not like a disputable thing, you know. But to a certain degree, there's like you know, it's like the Patriots, so they have situational football. Like there's situations where like even there, like the math would tell you like, maybe we wait till the next batter to take him out. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yep. of uh, his record against Mookie recently. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I, that, that's, that's tough. It, it's interesting to see all of these managers just taking pictures in and out based on all of the, the stats um, because you almost wonder like how much are they like managing and are they just kind of puppets getting I mean, that's, on from like the front office, you know, that's pretty much it. And it kind of, like you, you sort of tying it back to the NBA where, you know, Mike D'Antoni and his Rockets teams were all they were doing for the longest time, just shooting threes. They would shoot 40 to 53 pointers a, a night, uh, you know, an absurd amount uh, and, and win, but it wasn't sustainable. Mainly he's paying, playing seven guys, eight guys and had no right. bench, but you know, so, I mean, all, the, the analytics I think is really taking some of the, I don't want to say the soul out of sports because that's that's fucking stupid, but you know it's 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 eliminating the humans. Like yeah. yeah, I mean, but it's eliminating the human side uh, to it in in some way. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess like it takes whatever intuition a manager or a coach has, it removes some of that, at, yeah. in, and more at certain times than others. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but yeah, there's not. I don't know, it's a lot different than uh, than than how it was back in the day. I mean, you look at 2003 when Grady Little went and took – he left Pedro in. Mm-hmm. And the guy was, like, clearly worn down Gassed. and shouldn't have stayed in the game. He right. wasn't even really fighting to stay no. in the game. <laughs> at all. He was, like, okay with coming out. And that's a super competitive guy. That's a yeah. super confident guy. And they right. left him in. And now you, like, fast forward to 2020 – and, you know, this left-hander has electric stuff, his best stuff all year, mm-hmm. and has given up two hits. And they yank him. And they yank know. him. Yep. It's, it, like, it's not like it was, like, the middle of the season either, mm-hmm. where, like, you're going to pitch count. Like, it's game six. What are you doing to – You, know? you have yeah. to win. Right. You have to win or your season is over. Like, you're getting more out of this guy tonight than you have since he was the Cy Young winner. Right. And it, it wasn't – like, it was – 
Like, he pitched pretty well the last game, or yeah. one of the games. I don't I forget which one. I, I think there was one where he didn't pitch well, and then another one where he, he was better. But they were commenting on his stuff. The catcher was talking to a reporter during the game about his stuff, and he's like, this is the best stuff he's had in years. Yeah. You know, like, just from that stamp, that trumps the stats at that point. Oh, it like, should, you would think, you know, right? Like, there's some eyeball testing there. Mm-hmm. You got to just kind of roll with your, your intuition. Yeah, or there's a, instinct. you know, the guy who's catching his pitching – tells you uh you know this is the best stuff he's had in a long time there's no reason to take him out of the game but again you didn't really see the catcher chime in at all when cash came out it was a very sort of quick hook didn't you know and my guess is that snell knew the minute he gave up that hit that he was going to get yanked oh yeah he he looked over he saw them he wasn't uh he wasn't too happy about it but i can't um, imagine he would be (laughs) but uh all right um so an, another thing that you'd mentioned the other day when we were uh, texting was that occasionally now you have to root against your favorite team for uh, whatever reasons. But I'm curious if you can actually remember the first time that you did. And, 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 and if there was some sort of internal strife, if you will, about having to do so. Yeah, this was uh, one of the, the tougher times when I remember this was um... – I w- it was the Red Sox-Yankees game. The Yan- it was in 2018, and my grandfather was visiting me, and we were at the game. And uh, he usually comes up every year. This year he couldn't, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, he comes up, and I get tickets, and we go to a couple games. And, um, you know, he- he's-, he's thrilled about it. We've been doing it for years. So, um, you know, it- the Red Sox are down 5-1 to one, uh, going into the ninth, and then some – magical way they start coming back on Chapman but um there was like uh I, I think it's the Yankees won there was like a six thousand dollar swing involved in my oh, financials really? um <laughs> in that game yeah it wasn't necessarily like gonna it was more just gonna like hurt my bottom line not my actual sure bank account like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I wanted somebody else to to I wanted the Yankees to win a friend of ours actually dave oh Uh, (laughs) yeah he had the yankees shockingly you don't say yeah wow (laughs) some people might know one of one of of the five listeners yeah exactly he was was also at the game Mm. and um you know i wanted him to uh win some back you know just to make life easier for everyone (laughs) and then you know the the yankees blew the lead the red sox come back in dramatic fashion and my grandfather was just like, that was the best game I've ever been to. <laughs> and I was just so conflicted because I was like, you know, this is my grandfather's Your grandfather's years old. happy? Yeah, your grandfather's I don't happy. Know, yeah. yeah, I don't know how many more of these games that, you know, he and I are going to be able to go to. And right. he was just beyond thrilled that he got not only to see a Yankees game, but a great mm. comeback. And, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, man, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of money involved in this one. Yeah. There's not, that was the first time that that was definitely the first time. And that 2018 run um, was uh, conflicting for me because, you know, I texted my grandfather during Patriots and Red Sox games, you know, and there's times where I got to root against them and I have to pretend <laughs> that, um, you know, hopefully he doesn't listen to this. There you go. Oh, well, <laughs> hey, if he does, I'd be thrilled, but we'll yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I can't, I, to, you know, there's been a couple, I shouldn't even say that I bet against the Red Sox pretty much every night this year uh, because one, they were terrible. And two, they yeah. pissed me off so bad when they, <laughs> when they got rid of bets. I was just so angry. So I, I bet against them. Uh, I had, I took them uh, the season under, so I was thrilled when that came in, mm-hmm. but I mean, I can't, aside from that, you know, I don't think I've ever, uh, you know, been in, I'm not a good gambler, so I don't typically, I, I bet way more with my heart than my head. And that's why I'm not very good. Um, but you know, at the same time, I don't think other than that, I don't think I had ever really done it before. Uh, but believe me, I was thrilled betting against the Red Sox. I think I watched the Red Sox more this year than I did probably last year, just because I wanted to see them lose. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
and it was a yeah. blast. I thoroughly I, enjoyed that. I definitely bet against them a few times this year. Oh, man. They started, they were... to, they started to win a couple games at the end of the At the, the end, I got so here. fucking nervous. I was like, I mean, you yeah. got to be kidding me. If they end up pulling this out, I would have been pissed. Right. Like, what's but, going on here? <laughs> um, I had a couple drinks the other day with uh, uh, a friend of mine who uh, worked with us at one point. And he mentioned to me that you're an excellent basketball player. And so I said, okay, I'll be sure to mention that to him and, and say that I'm sure you'll be thrilled to hear that. But um, now, did you play basketball uh, like in high school or in college? Did you play football in high school or anything like that? I'm just kind of curious. Um, I played yeah, football and basketball in high school. I played that all growing up. I played baseball until I was about 11 or 12. Broke my elbow throwing uh, too many curveballs. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you should, if you're 11 and you're just snapping off curves uh, every no. pitch, yeah, you know. you're screwed. That's yeah. not going to work. So um, I ended up kind of moving away from baseball and just uh, playing football and basketball. I played quarterback and safety in high school. Very oh. undersized. I was not very big as a senior. Uh, I was only like 5'6", 130, and I was only holy smokes, 17 years old. I was, uh, <laughs> so I was like a – you know, I should have been a great – below me but i like yeah. started school a little early oh um, okay I, yeah i blame my mom for that she was i was like you wanted me <laughs> you wanted me out of the house didn't you she's like no you wanted she's like you you used to beg me to go to school I'm like i was five years old i don't know yeah, what the hell i'm talking about. you couldn't listen to me i was crazy yeah. you, what are you doing what are you she's doing? like you should chase the bus down the street all the time like, that does not sound like me you're making this up <laughs> a bunch of bullshit yeah there so, you go so but right. yeah um played Played basketball in high school, um, but I was like our, our team was really good. We we're like eighteen and two, and I didn't even start on our team. Oh, wow. um, and then uh, I went to college in Florida at Lynn University, and that whole summer I spent. I so my family moved to Florida too, so I just spent like that whole summer playing basketball. I didn't know anybody, and I would just either go play by myself or I'd go try and play pickup somewhere. And, you know, I didn't know anybody, so it was, like, hard to even get picked on a team or to have people even pass you the ball. And I was, like, getting better, but I was growing, too. Like, I grew, like, four inches over that summer. Not that I'm, like, big now, but I went from, like, yeah. five, five or five, six to, like, five, nine, five, ten. So, um, you know, five, nine, if you're, like, measuring me with no shoes, five, ten, if you're looking at my hinge profile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But, smart, smart. Yeah, cool. you, know, you know, but, um, yeah, so I, I got a lot better, and I remember coming back to Massachusetts and playing, and, you know, like, the first time I went to uh, one of the open gyms and played with everyone from high school again, they were still kind of like leaving me open and like my team just ran everybody off the court all day. And they were like, uh, what the hell happened to you down there? <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I just got a lot better and, and I played a lot and then I just kept playing. I kept, kept getting better. And then, um, by the time I was like 30, I, uh, you know, I like quit smoking and drinking and everything and I got in much better shape and I was able to continue to play into my thirties. So I haven't played yeah. since, February now, so oh, I'm uh, a little worried about getting back on the court here. Rusty. I might, I might yeah. just retire and, and stick to golf. So good we'll idea. Like, that yeah. could be a good idea. Yeah. 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 You play a lot of golf? I did this year so far. Um, I, you know, I, it's funny. I did too. And, you know, being unemployed uh, lets me play a oh, shitload nice. of golf. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's great. It's still terrible. And I, uh, I, I curse that fucking sport nonstop. But uh, at the same time, I thoroughly enjoy it. Love it. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, there's nothing better than getting out there when it's nice and warm and mm -hmm. just throwing your phone in the bag and, you know, going off the grid. Mm -hmm. There you <laughs> go. One of the things that I do on my show with uh, me and a couple degenerate buddies of mine is uh, we have a, a bets, best bet uh, feature. Uh, of, of the three of us, I'm currently in dead last. Um, the fucking Bills screwed me uh, on Sunday. Uh, how they did not cover against the single worst football team I've ever watched in my life, uh, I can't figure out. So, I uh, I couldn't. I I watch, So obviously I was watching that game because uh, you know the whole world had Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Now Buffalo didn't cover the teaser though. So, yeah, well, that's yeah, true. But 
they were pretty close to 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 not covering the teaser. I think it was like I think they only need to win by like four or five. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean that game was ugly, and the Jets had opportunities to kind of like really make it like a close game. And at the end of the half, Darnold throws a pick. It's just like, did you do this on purpose? Purpose. It, <laughs> like, like, I, like I, I, I remember watching you play the last few years, and like you weren't this bad. And I feel like you're doing shit on purpose right I now. I just, like, I don't think like, he gives is, a fuck. Yeah, I hope. I think he's hoping to get traded. They don't win a game. They trade him, and they take Lawrence. Lawrence decides he's going to stay at fucking Clemson. Doesn't want to play for the Jets. But uh, it, it was a mess. And honestly, I, I just, the Bills are a fraud team. Uh, I'm convinced of that now. If you can't beat the Jets uh, by more than than eight points, I mean, what they do score is one touchdown. Especially that that team that that the Jets are like historically bad right now. Yeah, absolutely, like, and they're going to get worse. Right, they, but the but, thing is, they'll end up beating somebody. They'll get a win, so they're not going to go winless. You know, they'll sneak up on somebody. Someone won't take them serious. It'd be funny as fuck if they beat the Chiefs this weekend. I I I will die. <laughs> I don't see that happening. Oh, what's the- What's the line on that game? I saw 17 and a half earlier, and honestly, I Ooh. think that's too low. <laughs> too low. They bump that up. <laughs> it, it should be. It should be. Um, where is the? Where is, is it in Kansas City or New York? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I'll I'll look it up while we're. Um, this weekend, I like uh, Carolina in the over. That's like probably my my best bet. Yeah, 17 and a half. Good grief. I also like the Rams, too, and the Rams minus four. Big fan of that number. Um, And maybe even Seattle. Seattle minus three. That seems a little low. See, like, I don't – because of COVID, I don't really start looking at these lines too much until, like, Saturday. Um, I mean, that makes sense. I just have, like, kind of, you know, I don't program myself to to wait until we know that something's actually happening. They're actually going to play. Yeah. Right. You know, but I've so. I've been on uh on soccer games for the last two days, so I'm just uh, oh there you go. <laughs> I've just been sitting on this thing for the last couple of days. I actually had a good day today for for me, so I'm very excited. But listen, Rick, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I um as I've said a thousand times on my show, anytime I can get people to come on, I am thrilled. So thank you so much. This has been a fun conversation. Hopefully listen to the show, tell your friends, yeah. follow the, uh, the Instagram page. I think we connected on Instagram day. Oh, and I noticed, so you, your last Instagram post, you know, taking photos across the city. Yeah. So I, uh, during quarantine, I bought a camera and a bike and like early on, it was kind of cool. You just ride anywhere. Cause it was like no cars on the road. Yeah. Um, so I just went around and just started taking pictures and, trying to figure out what the hell I was doing with that camera. I still don't really know, but um, so what? doesn't matter. A bunch, you know, some of them turn out good. Some of them yeah. don't. Some of th- yeah. those are really good. So yeah, kudos. Nicely done. Hey, appreciate it. Yeah. So awesome. Rick, thanks again so much. And I'll be sure to thank Dave again for uh, getting us connected. Yeah. Definitely. Um, awesome. You know, you want me back anytime. Let me know. Oh, we'll do. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, all right, man. Have a good week. You too. Take care. Thanks again to uh, Rick McNair for coming on the program. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, I, I meant to give him a little bit more grief about the, the Drew Locke background that he had. Uh, it was interesting. Hadn't seen that yet, so nicely done, Rick. It was an interesting conversation. I mean, you could tell that uh, you know we kind of got into the flow of things and uh, when we when we get into the Dodgers, it was very similar to uh, to some of the things that I'd brought up earlier. So, you know, kind of tied into the conversation. But it was a good talk. Hope to have him on the show again. Uh, and again, as I've said to everybody, if you want to be on the show, let me know. I'd love to have you. Talk about anything you fucking want. It's a good thing about this show. It's about nothing. So we can talk about anything you want. Uh, my guest next week, uh, my pal Evan, we're going to talk about all kinds of shit. Uh, some of it you might find interesting. Some of it you might not. We're going to talk about the marijuana game for sure. Evan is a part of a great company uh, called Newt Tools, N-U-T-E, Newt Tools, free plug. And uh, they, they make some uh, uh, home-growing accessories. 
which is fascinating, just fascinates the shit out of me. So uh, very cool. Uh, we'll probably talk about um, uh, rugby, talk about his upbringing as a, a New Mexican in Australia, which is just a hilarious fucking thing. But getting back to uh, to this week's program, what, you know, it is Thursday, so uh, it's it is best bet time. <laughs> Holy fuck! God, I feel like Rob Manford all stroked out before giving up the uh, MVP award the other night. Ugh, slurring, gross. Uh, after last week, uh, Scott Banksley running away with this thing, five one and one. So I don't know where he's getting his picks from. He's probably not handicapping these on his own, but that I, I'm I'm fucking with you, Scott, because I know he's going to get a pissy about it. But whatever. Um, and then uh, Jackie Fraudley Jr. had the Pats, so they you know he lost. Uh, Scott had he had the Packers, so big win, five one and one. Jackie Fraudley Jr. now is uh, three and four. He had the Pats. And uh, yours truly had the Bills. As you heard in that interview with Rick, how the fuck me and everyone else on the planet had the fucking Bills to cover? Uh, Apparently I should have teased them. What can you do? Uh, So this week, Scott has uh, the Las Vegas Raiders plus two and a half. Jack tonight has the Panthers minus two. Love that pick. I love it. I have the Panthers tonight and the over, which I believe is at 51. So go Panthers. They're playing the Falcons, so I mean, fucking points galore. Should be points galore. Uh, and then I have the Colts minus two and a half. They play the Detroit Lions. Smoke screen team of the week, the Detroit Lions. So uh, Detroit... Uh, they should lose because they stink. The Colts should be an elite club, but uh, Philip Rivers stinks. What possessed them to sign Phil Rivers is beyond me. I can't figure that out. Uh, is he better than Jacoby Brissett? Probably. But is he leaps and bounds better than Jacoby Brissett? No. Could have saved themselves some money and just stuck with Brissett. But that's why I'm talking in my uh, uh, cavernous basement. And Frank Reich is uh, coaching the club. But what can you do? Anyways, uh, that'll do it for the show. One of the things I wanted to talk about before I let y'all go. I can't believe I just said y'all. Ugh, God, I hate that fucking word. Y'all. You all. Ugh, man. Gross. Uh, the giveaway on Instagram, please go to go to Complaints Pod. All you have to do is like the post, follow the follow the page, tag three friends. You can win a t-shirt. You can win a fucking sweet uh, beanie, some stickers. Uh, it's going to be great. The stuff sh- will be arriving on Monday, so I should hopefully have actual photographic evidence of the prizes up for you on Monday. Uh, trying to build up that Instagram audience. It's really tough to attract people with a show that's literally about nothing uh, that isn't very entertaining. So you kind of hope that your friends tell their friends and so on and so on and so on. And next thing you know, you're up to 100 followers. Uh, But that'll do it. Please uh, tell your friends. Thank you. Um, Take care of yourself. I I didn't go through the whole spiel. Fuck. All right. Take that back. Don't take care of yourself. Um, the Twitter page at complaints pod, Instagram also at complaints pod. I do have a Facebook page, but I don't use it. So fuck Facebook. Do have a YouTube page, which hopefully, hopefully I'm going to put some stuff up this weekend. Uh, Sunday is Bengals day. It's going to fucking rain here. Uh, I've got uh, skyline chili ready to go. I got some fucking Sam Adams ready to go. That's it. I got the Bengals gear, uh, all fucking we're ready. We're very excited. Actually, we're not. I don't know how the fuck we're going to watch the game. <laughs> I really don't fucking know. But we'll figure it out. I might have to watch it on the phone. I was hoping it set the tailgate thing up outside in the backyard, but uh, it might it might rain. So who knows how that's going to go. But uh, it might have some stuff on the YouTube page. 
the plates and observations on YouTube. There's literally nothing else on there except my my uh, gluttonous pal Jeff stuffing hot dogs down his face. Um, but if you're into that, check it out. Um, I also have an email address, showmail at complaintsandobservations.com. Go to the website. There's nothing really there. I haven't written a blog in forever. Maybe I'll do one tomorrow, but I doubt it. Um, that's it. That is definitely it now. It's been a fucking hour-long program. I apologize for taking up so much of your fucking time. Uh, thank you very much, as always. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Godspeed. And uh, ta-ta.